Hello and welcome to the Manga Mavericks podcast here on allcomic.com. I'm your host Colton and what you're listening to right now is a free preview of an exclusive podcast series recorded and uploaded on our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. This series being uh, essentially uh, a podcast series where my co-host Lum and I basically have the opportunity to uh, to maybe go back and uh, dissect even further, you know, different manga series that we've already dedicated whole episodes on on the main Manga Mavericks podcast. Uh, except this time we kind of go even further by dissecting it volume by volume. And uh, that way we have uh, maybe, you know, even more nuanced discussions of uh, of the stuff that we talk about. You know, uh, like, for example, we uh, we did a podcast miniseries about the first arc of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a series that we both love. And so we decided that JoJo's is a series, you know, worth going back and just talking about even more because uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure in particular you know, no matter how much time we spent talking about it on the Manga Mavericks podcast, there's there's always so much more to talk about with JoJo, and uh, we thought that was a pretty good candidate to, to uh, start off with. And uh, you know, if, if you if you want to listen to the first episode of that, uh, we uploaded that back in September. Uh, that should still be in the feed for anybody who wants to check that out. Uh, and we have the full three episode miniseries read through of that available for anyone willing to donate five dollars to our Patreon again at uh, patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, I recorded that with my good friend Grant the Thief over on Twitter, also the host of the Blade Licking Thieves podcast. Uh, I had a really good time doing that with him and uh, we'll definitely go be- uh, get back to Jojo at some point. We're just kind of taking a break in between arcs here. Um, And so the series that uh, we're currently reading through right now is uh, Masami Kuramata's Saint Seiya manga. Uh, Of course, that ran in a weekly show to jump back in the mid 80s and uh, was brought over by Viz a few decades later. And so, yeah, uh, currently I am reading through that series for the very first time uh, with my good friend and uh, podcast co-host on a few other podcasts, uh, Doctor from the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. I record a, I record a shit ton of stuff with this guy. Like, uh, I I consider him one of my very good friends, and I love podcasting with him. And uh, and so you know, I I wanted to take this opportunity to to do a special project with him for Manga Mavericks, which is good because uh, apparently he has never read Saint Seiya either. So this read through in particular, I think, will be even more interesting because. You know, this is a manga that uh, neither him or I have really ever delved into fully. I, th- I think I might have, I think I've explained it in this podcast coming up, but uh, this read through in particular kind of came about because uh, Lum has already recorded an episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast about Saint Seiya uh, with people from Viz who have worked on it before, that being Dr. Mari Morimoto and Shannon Garrity, both the translator and editor. Uh, of Saint Seiya back when that was still being released by Viz. So, you know, if you haven't listened to that podcast and you're a Saint Seiya fan, you should go listen to that. Uh, that's episode 102. I'll also leave a link for that episode in the show notes. Uh, I, I was supposed to be on that episode, but unfortunately, just because of the way uh, everything was scheduled with our with our dear guests, uh, Lum basically had to schedule that podcast way sooner than I could get ready for it. Uh, I just did not have the time to... Uh, to read through all of Saint Seiya at my own pace, you know, bef- uh, to get ready for that show. 
Uh, so we basically came to a compromise and said, hey, you know, you know, I, I essentially decided from there that like, hey, we could do like a read through series for the Patreon. I'm sure people will be very interested in that, especially since Saint Seiya, you know, isn't a very heavily covered uh, manga anime franchise in North America, at least not until now. What with uh, what with it being a, what with the anime being available on Netflix and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, no. Um, so. Essentially, for this read-through in particular, I'll be going in completely blind, whereas with the with the Fan of Blood read-through, I'm, I'm already a huge fan of JoJo, so uh, I, I, I'm not, I didn't really come at it with a, with a new res- uh, perspective unlike this. So uh, if two guys going in blind on Saint Seiya is uh, something you're interested in listening to, uh, we're essentially putting up the entire first episode of this, of, of this read-through for free for anybody to listen to. Uh, and then basically the rest of this read through is going to be available exclusively on our Patreon for backers $5 and up, uh, where we, we will be uploading episodes of this read through every month at the end of the month. Uh, for those who are curious, the next episode of this read through in particular, where we will be covering, uh, volumes three and four of Saint Seiya, uh, will be released on our Patreon on Tuesday, March 31st. Uh, so for anyone who listens to this and uh, can't wait for the next one and you and you really want to keep up with us, again, please sign up at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Um, you know, it's it's really the best way to support the show. And hey, you know what? If you if you sign up for our Patreon, you'll get access to a bunch of different, uh, ex- you know, exclusive podcasts that we've recorded in the past. You know, again, we, we do have that first read through of uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood, as well as a bunch of different other podcasts that we've recorded in the past. Uh, such as uh, some some short form reviews uh, and whatnot. So yeah, we we have plenty of stuff that uh, we that may be of interest to you if you decide to sign up. And so yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this first episode of the Manga Mavericks Book Club, in which we talk about Masami Kuramata's Saint Seiya. Enjoy. Welcome to the Manga Mavericks Book Club here on the Manga Mavericks Patreon. Uh, obviously, this is a Patreon-exclusive podcast dedicated to extended discussions of different manga series we have covered previously on the main Manga Mavericks podcast. In case you didn't listen to our first read-through, we previously covered the first arc of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, known as Phantom Blood, uh, with our good friend Grant the Thief. Uh, if you haven't listened to those, uh, and you are you are a subscriber to our five dollar tier on Patreon, uh, you should really go listen to those. I had a lot of fun doing those with Grant. Um, but like I said on that previous episode, uh, on that previous read through, anyway, um, I think we're gonna take a break from JoJo for a little bit. Uh, we'll come back to it eventually, but for now, um, we're gonna cover another big uh, shonen epic. 
known as Saint Seiya by Masami Kurumada. And um, this will be interesting. So I think just to start off, you know, obviously I don't have Grant here with me, but I do have another one of my friends from the, uh, you know, from from other podcasts I produce, such as uh, One Podcast Prevails and uh, pretty much anything else under the uh, the Ass Backwards Enemy Podcasting Network flag, moniker, whatever you want to call it, Doctor. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, how how, how, how y'all doing over here on the... Maga Mavericks land. It feels weird. I, I, now, is this how you feel whenever you're on my shows? Like, I feel so out of place. Does it does it feel weird doing Patreon exclusive content for a network that isn't yours? Uh, no, because it just feels like any other day. Um, except, except I'm not the one who's in charge of actually editing this part. <laughs> oh yeah, that, I mean that's always fun. I I love I love coming on your shows, Doc, because like I don't have to edit any of them. Um, I think recently I was on a podcast and like uh, they were they were going through all the st- uh, shows I do and they're just like Colin, how do you like do all these shows like do you have to edit all of them and I'm like that's that's my secret friend I don't ha- I only edit one of them <laughs> <laughs> take that meanwhile half of those shows I am a part of and I edit <laughs> um, but this time no I am the one responsible for editing this and getting this out um, but no yeah so this is a completely new read through. Uh, completely new guest host for uh, for hopefully the entirety of all 28 volumes of Saint Seiya. Uh, this is going to be really fun because, uh, you know, as I just said earlier, um, th- this podcast is, again, basically meant for, you know, either Lum or me to basically go back and uh, read through series that we that we couldn't really, like, participate in reading on the main show. Um, for Saint Seiya in particular... Um, I forget how we decided to talk about Saint Seiya. It, it came up in conversation, and then eventually one thing led to another, and we eventually made it happen. Uh, you can listen to episode 102 of our podcast. That is basically our Saint Seiya episode where uh, where we have on both the translator and the editor for the entirety of the series, uh, that being Dr. Mari Morimoto and Shannon Garrity. And unfortunately... I haven't had the chance to listen to that episode, uh, mostly because uh, I really want to stay as blind as possible through the rest of this read-through. Um, I don't really want to spoil myself on any Saint Seiya plot threads or what have you, um, just to kind of make things more interesting. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of get to that in a second. But for now, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm really excited to start doing this here. And I guess just to start off, before we really even like talk about Saint Seiya, like, talk about these these first two volumes uh, themselves, I guess we could kind of go over a little bit, um, just kind of our relationship with the franchise, because, uh, you know, Saint Seiya, for me personally, is, it's something, like, I've always kind of known of. I couldn't tell you, like, what was my first interaction with Saint Seiya. If I really had to take a guess, like, I would have to say... My my first like interaction with Saint Seiya would probably be playing as Seiya as as like a character in Jump Ultimate Stars, um <laughs> that that I, like my parents got me a copy of back in like f- fuck I don't know like 2012 I I got that game pretty late after it came out, um but Jump Ultimate Stars was such a great experience for me because it's like you know by that by that point I'm like okay I'm already pretty into Shonen Jump but it's like I only know all the really big popular series that. Uh, 
that that we got over here in the U.S. I, I don't I don't know anything about stuff like I don't know off the top of my head like Nero or or this or whatever obscure Shonen Jump thing you can list that I'm not thinking of at the moment. But yeah, no, just see seeing this guy like run around in in like really uh, uh, cool but really silly like armor throwing around light speed punches and stuff was like okay that's cool that's a character i could play as <laughs> i feel like i remember the character was also kind of broken but then again i think like some of the some of the later characters like i think like kinchiro and a few other ones were like unnecessarily way too overpowered yeah um i'm now i'm just getting i'm i'm having flashbacks to when i would play online and, like, literally every player I fought from Japan would just use Sasuke, mm. and I would always lose to him. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I've, I've had my fair share of interactions with Saint Seiya through, like, Jump Ultimate Stars, through seeing volumes at, like, I want to say Borders, when Borders was a thing. Uh, I would I would sometimes just kind of see it around. Like, it, again, it, it's one of those things where, I've, like, I've always, like, kind of known of it for a while, but, like... I never like actually knew anything about it, and I I've certainly never gone through it uh, like not up until now. I think I was telling Doc off Mike that uh, I had a really good friend at the time who who really got into Saint Seiya and just started watching all the like spinoff anime series that are out there. Some of which I think you can still watch on Crunchyroll at the moment. Maybe yeah, I think like I want to say Omega should be still on there. I remember going through some of that. It's been a while. I think even one of them's on Netflix now. Uh, I think that's Lost Canvas, but anyway. Lost Canvas is on there. The technically the like the original show is on there. The the newer CG version is on there now. Um honestly, if if Saint Say is going to get any kind of real recognition or any kind of like spotlight, Netflix is probably the best place for it at this point. And they're doing the, the fact that they're actually going through the show is kind of amazing. So, okay, cool. Great. But there's that. Um but no, yeah, I I would come over to my friend's house and like I'd always see him just watch these different Saint Saint anime and he would get so excited about watching them. Meanwhile, I'm just over here like I don't know what's going on, I don't know what this is, but I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> you know, he he had a thing that he loved and I can I can appreciate that. Um but yeah, I know, like this read through is pretty much gonna be I mean, I, I went over these first two volumes like a couple months back when I thought I was gonna be on Manga Mavericks to talk about the series but really outside of these outside of these first two volumes like i am i pretty much don't know anything about what's going to happen in the series from this point on so i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna say i'm like 90 percent blind on this one going in um how about how about you doc um well this is something funny because like so uh for those of you who don't know i am of latinx descent <laughs> Uh, specifically Peruvian, Colombian, if you want to actually get into nitty gritty. So uh, by law, I have to know about Saint Seiya. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so in case you didn't know, it's um, it's kind of a big deal within like the Hispanic community in Latinx community, uh, and it's like it's one of those shows that I think like people. It's it's like I don't even know. It's it's like bigger than Dragon Ball. As far as I could, the best way I could really describe it, because I'm like, despite me only knowing a little bit of the Japanese, not the Japanese, well, also the Japanese version, but also I know a little bit of the Spanish version as well. Los Caballeros de Zodiaco. So, uh, again, that's how I remember them. 
which is basically Knights of the Zodiac. So it's like I have a mixture of that along with knowing of the uh, Deek uh, version <laughs> of Knights of the Zodiac as well, because I was at least old enough to know about that at the time. So, like, I think it wasn't until, like I remembered it as Knights of the Zodiac or remember it as that or it was I think it was like that and Ronin Warriors were both like shows that I I remembered as a kid, but never really kind of paying attention to it. Uh, so uh, it wasn't until way later that I actually discovered like, oh, Knights of the Zodiac it was Saint Seiya and I never I never got a chance to properly watch a lot of it. It's just like one of those things that just escaped me somehow. Um and again, like, so for me, uh, it, and again, it's like, it's one of those things, like, once I actually hear, like, it's it's sort of a weird meme about, like, just just like Latin people just know about Saint Seiya is <laughs> just a thing. Like, I think I mentioned Peru that there's like a, and it, it's, there's like an actual, like, museum, uh, a Saint Seiya museum in Lima, Peru as well. Oh, wow. Which is, a, yeah, again, like, it, there's, there's connection there with me. So, but again, I think it's just like for I, I didn't get a chance to properly watch it and or read it because I think at the time, I don't, I don't think I actually I, if you if you follow me, like I, I'm I'm more of an anime dude. And that's why I have like all these different anime podcasts that I that I run on my own. Um, so manga was a thing that I've never really uh, came around to until way later in my life. So I then I've now come to appreciate it and things like that. So. Saint Seiya was always on my bucket list. It was always going to be the thing that I have to, you know, it's like, if, that's that's me traveling to Mecca. That, this is like, I have to go through Saint Seiya and finish it once at least. Um, and Colton, when he, you know, he 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 he, uh, he offered me this uh, opportunity to actually go on the book club to actually talk about Saint Seiya properly. I kind of, I didn't want to pass this up. So this was like my way of being like, okay, this is what, this is how I get the, how I get this done. I will still go through the anime still. I mean, now that Netflix is putting it out, so I'm happy for that. Uh, but yeah, my, my yeah, I would say my uh, my history is about the same as you. It's like I'm aware of it. I just never got a chance to go through it. I, I did actually, funny enough, I, I I mentioned Omega earlier, but like I actually did watch. Uh, I would say the majority of that season hmm. uh, while it was coming out again because it, it was a it was a spinoff of the original se- series, so I did. I I kind of just was like, uh, I think I can be okay with not really uh, watching this show and not necessarily worrying about uh, the original series because it's, it's somewhat of its funny. I mean, you do see like Seiya and Athena and other people in there. Um, I think I forgot who else shows. Like, there's a bunch of cameos that have, that happened throughout the show, but um, I also didn't finish the show. <laughs> uh, but still, uh, uh, my 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 knowledge is limited. But it's one of those things where. I I've seen things I've seen enough things and I appreciate some things I know like certain things I know about the cloths the gold armors and stuff like that the gold saints the, there's a lot that I I would have to go back and, and that I mean that's what we're doing now and go through properly so and here I am I'm here to help out and to go along the way as I I, I finish my quest to finally go through all of Saint Seiya mm-hmm, for sure for sure um. And uh, I guess before we get started, I, I had been kind of debating a- with myself about, like, because I was kind of researching about Saint Seiya and uh, Masami Kurumada, the uh, the author of the series in particular, and finding out a lot of interesting kind of factoids about uh, the franchise and uh, um, and the author himself. And I thought about, I, I, I was kind of debating with myself about, like, how much of an introduction I want to give to Saint Seiya. 
And, uh, I mean, we, we already, like I said earlier, we already did a Manga Mavericks podcast about it, so it's probably not super necessary. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe if it comes up, uh, there are certain things that I might bring up if they're relevant, but uh, I don't think I'm going to spend a lot of time, like, recapping Saint Seiya, because, again, if you, like, r- really, if you want, like, an overview of the series, um... You know, just just go go listen to our uh, Manga Mavericks podcast episode. Uh, I'll leave a link for it in the show notes for anybody who wants to listen to it. Um, again, I haven't listened to it myself, but I can only assume it was a pretty good listen, especially since we had people from Viz who had worked on it. Which I look, I'm not going to get into it right now, but I have my thoughts on um, certain things about how lettering and stuff was handled in in these first two volumes <laughs> this is this is this is the third viz manga title that i've podcasted about that has like the most inconsistent like quality about it i've ever seen um yeah between gintama and uh uh for full disclosure we both also podcast about case closed on a little show called one podcast prevails if you haven't listened that's to that. right yes so i can't say we're not used to this kind of stuff but at the same time it's like can I please read something from Viz from, like, the early 2000s that doesn't have some kind of weird, like, decision or inconsistency? <laughs> it's impossible. I mean, at least people have names that are Japanese in here. I'm, I'm at least happy for that. That's true. Though, though, it is worth mentioning, and we'll probably mention it here and there, but, like, I know that Saint Seiya, because of its localization from, like, the Deke dub or whatever, that, like... There are certain name changes from that from that version of the dub of the series that are that are carried over into the manga, which again I'll probably bring those up when they're most relevant. But yeah, so I mean, look if you if you don't know what Saint Seiya is, I don't know why you're not I don't know why you're listening to this, but it's basically about a bunch of kids who uh, basically have all these powers that are related to Greek myths, and uh, I mean it's. It, you know, I also, I had this revelation, like, while researching Saint Seiya a little bit, but I guess Saint Seiya's technically a magical boy show? Yeah, I think when, when I was, uh, when I was explaining this to my girlfriend and, like, kind of showed you, like, oh, hey, this is kind of what they do, and they add this stuff, and they basically kind of, they, like, they, they their pieces kind of fly together, and it's just like, oh, wow, this is basically a magical show. I'm like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Because I, I I don't know it just kind of hit me like wow yeah that's that's kind of what it is yeah just like it's magical girls with more blood this is like I would say this is like uh you know uh, if my an interpretation could be like it's this is like Sailor Moon but for boys um, I mean I guess so sure um, everyone's just as pretty yeah um some 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 of them so pretty that they change genders in the uh, in the newest CGI version on Netflix. Uh... Oh boy! Let's not get into yeah. that just yet. That's a, that's a whole thing. Um, that's a that's a that's a can of worms. <laughs> oh boy! But um, I, I guess just as far as like the first two volumes go, if we if we really want to give like a very short kind of recap, so you have these tourists who are just roaming around Greece, uh, looking at different attractions and whatnot, uh, and in comes crashing a, a young boy named Seiya, who is in the middle of some very deadly, deadly training in order to become a saint or a knight or whatever you want to call it to uh, to protect, um, oh, what's her name? I forget. Athena. Athena, thank you. Uh, 
And essentially, like, as we kind of go through the first two volumes, we find out, oh, basically, Seiya is just one of many orphans who some <laughs> some rich guy decided, I'm going to gather a bunch of orphans and send them out to all these different people and have them train uh, a train hard enough to to gain these these pieces of armor so they can become knights and, and, and make them fight each other. It, like sending a, a bunch of uh, like orphans to their death, essentially, because like you kind of said, like I mean, they all sent a train, but like some of them will die in the process. You know, that's just like you know, you know, it's one of those like when you make an omelet kind of situations, you got to break a few eggs. Okay, that's just how it is. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it, I think it's mentioned at one point that they they mentioned how like ninety of them are missing and only like ten of them survived. Or something, something like, like that. that. A lot, a lot of them are either missing or dead. Yeah, I mean, you can you can assume based on the way that like they the, introduce Seiya in this sort of like, uh, old like Greek Colosseum sort of scenario where they're surrounded by other warriors, and like it was. What's great is that, like the like the when I was watching the anime of this, the, the few episodes I watched, it, it kind of didn't really hammer home what what time this series actually aired in it's just like a oh this probably like it's like one of those old like uh old like a uh, greek sort of fantasy type worlds it's like no here's a tourist with a camera like oh so it's modern times weird <laughs> why is everyone in robes and stuff <laughs> yeah that that was something i i wasn't so sure of before i started reading this was like does this take place like in ancient times or like i i was really surprised to see that this took place in modern times and by modern times i mean the mid 80s probably <laughs> Yeah, but like they have like holographic like uh, arenas and like they have flying um like uh video monitors and stuff like that, plasma screens. Yeah, once they actually get into the Coliseum where the when the fights actually start happening. So it's kind of like a, oh, okay, so it's like it's modern time but it's like it's it's it it, it, it exudes that sort of old sort of like um you know, gladiator style like, you know, two men enter, one man leaves kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of get that from a lot of this manga, and so uh, they in like it just so happens that everyone has these ridiculous like body like suits of armor. Like that's just it. Like I say suits of armor, but it's it it's like sort of like a shoulder pad, a belt, a helmet, and then like maybe a few other things. I mean, pretty much, and yeah, like a lot of the first volume in particular is just a lot of. Say as growing up and growth as he, as he trains in order to wield uh, his quote unquote cloth, which is the Pegasus cloth, um, which which he eventually receives. Which again, like when when we say Pegasus cloth, it's it's literally just like a piece of armor, or like it's it's a statue that he can take apart and put it on himself as armor. I can only imagine like what kind of toys they were wanting to make out of that and that they probably made out of that they're like block like sort of like like lego pieces put together i can see that yeah i can make that work like i wouldn't say they're i wouldn't say they're like build big big blocko kind of style but you know mm-hmm. um Seiya in particular basically uh he he was on this mission to train and gain the pegasus claw so that way you know, he could see his uh, sister again, who he was basically torn from uh, from his orphanage. Again, it, it, because of like the 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 idea of a mad rich man where you could just steal a bunch of orphans and just 
Just send them all to the, to kill each other. Yeah. So you can get boxes. Yeah, and like I said, you know, not, now he's forced to fight against all these different other orphans who have gained their claws, and in this big old tournament, I cannot believe the series starts off with a tournament like so, like so right away. Yeah, I think the one thing that I remembered from the series, and this is like mainly through osmosis, is just like there's just fights. This series is about fighting. This is very. This is a quintessential battle manga. Like everything, a lot, a lot of the ideas and sort of uh, uh, what you call it. Um, uh, it was, I want, I want to say homages, but like um, the the typical things when you expect from a shonen jump manga, there is fighting, tournaments, uh, and power ups. This show is about that. That's like the series is about that in general. Yeah, I I don't think I've actually read a lot of manga where. They just kind of get to that stuff right away. Like e- even even with stuff like Dragon Ball, like Dragon Ball kind of started off as like a parody gag manga kind of thing. And it, like there were one or two fights, but like it didn't really become like the big martial arts sci-fi epic it's, it's known as today until like, m- like I, w- I want to say like two or three volumes in like, and you know, I- I'm like, I'm I'm more used to stuff like that or like. Yu Yu Hakusho or Yu Gi Oh, where it's like, okay, we're gonna spend a couple volumes kind of trying to like feel our way in the dark here and try to figure out what our gimmick is. <laughs> yeah, I think th- I think that's kind of what's great about it, and I think that's that's probably also the appeal of like why stuff like this and Dragon Ball Z specifically were very popular in the Latin American regions because it was just very much a punch kick cartoon. <laughs> It's it's a cartoon that is about just people fighting, and it's that is so simple. And I, I'm not, I I don't know. This this sounds like an insult to my people, but um, <laughs> but I think that's kind of like the thing of like oh, like sometimes it's just something a, a, a simple cartoon where we kind of expect you know Disney ish stuff. Well, this one feels like a just a very different, very cool fighty style. It's it. it I think that's why like it, it it responds to the very id lizard brain nature of my uh, of my psyche where it's just like oh they just punch real hard and things happen cool that's all I need to know honestly uh, I think no matter what age I am I am pretty into cartoons about people punching each other yeah <laughs> yeah like I was I was I was pretty into that stuff when I was twelve and even as a twenty six year old I'm still pretty into that kind of stuff so um. Like, like, I, I think one of my first notes I have here is like, this would make a great Saturday morning cartoon. Like, I, I, I could see myself like watching this alongside like Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh on like Kids WB or something. <laughs> I mean, it's probably the content is not exactly as safe as I would say. They probably that you could put that on television. I mean, the, the that was the whole point of Knights of the Zodiac, where they decided to kind of. You know, slightly alter some stuff a bit just to make yeah. it seem a little bit more easier to digest for people, for us Americans. Meanwhile, in you know, in Latin America and all the different Spanish-speaking regions, they basically just straight up like may they did Saint Seiya, in it, it's just with a Spanish dub. So like you get a faithful adaptation of Saint Seiya over there in Latin America. Meanwhile, over everywhere else, just kind of has like a slightly more tamer like just watered down version of it so like i think that's where like and again like that's i think that's why the appeal of it was a lot more 
interesting because you got like a slightly more different, slightly more real anime as opposed to the stuff that we got at the time. Because again, we this this was in an era of like, you know, like I mentioned, I mentioned Ronin Warriors. This is like Robotech and things like that, where it's just basically a pro- they they took the original series and kind of just made it slightly more Americanized to make it uh, usable for you know television. So. As opposed to the straight adaptation, which it takes forever, it it uh, essentially until just now, uh, for, with Netflix uh, actually properly putting it out uh, in English, uh, which is kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I I'm not as familiar with the history of Saint Seiya and like its relationship to you know its North American audience, but like as as far as I know, I know it's had a lot of trouble trying to um, trying to sell itself here. Um, as far as I could tell, like literally every every like official release of Saint Seiya has like some kind of weird norma- in- abnormality or issue, whether it be like name changes or just something something really simple like that. Um, and I know like I want to say Saint Seiya is also pretty infamous for like just like how just like it's it's one of those things where it's like. I feel like literally everybody else in the world knows what it is except for us. Like, I need to find the username of this person, but uh, Land of Obscusion on Twitter, um, who I know is, uh, I've I've seen him like around. I think I follow him too. He's I know he's a huge Saint Seiya fan, um, and uh, I'm trying to find the tweet here, but I know at one point he tweeted about how uh, he was basically told by basically whoever runs Discotech who. Discotech is known for, you know, releasing all kinds of different, like, obscure anime properties, and uh, who I, I like to, I like to think we both really appreciate for certain releases. Um, yeah, probably. And, uh, you know, uh, whoever whoever runs Discotech, like, told them themselves that, like, Saint Seiya, basically all the Saint Seiya-related whatevers that they tried to release, like, all bombed, like, so badly that uh quote unquote he likely will never give anything by Masami Kuramata another chance. <laughs> like that's yeah, I mean that it's harsh, right. but like I mean if it doesn't bring in any money then like I I don't know, I guess he can't really blame him. Yeah, I mean it, I think it was like there was an ADV one you want to say that was released, but they never they never finished that. I think it was like a Fifty or sixty episodes of the show. I know Kuramata has had other manga released over here that I know just didn't do well at all. Like uh, B B Tix, B Tex. Yes, I remember that one. I remember that. I think that um, was released by um uh by by Tokyo Pop back in the day. Oh Jesus! Wow, <laughs> no I, wonder. And I and I think that I think they released all of it. I'm not sure. I I know one or two people who have actually like gotten a hold of most of that over here, which is insane. But um. But but yeah. but yeah no like it's just I don't know anything by Kuramata just has not had any luck over here which is really unfortunate. Yeah, that's that's the thing where I uh, it it just became like sort of its own like it's one of those things where like I forgot like other there's other franchises that are very similar where it's just like every time it's this in a uh, Ippo I would say it, like things like that where it's just like it just doesn't it, it they try but it just doesn't sell. It just doesn't work, and it's a shame. I, one day we'll get those Zippo series, but I, I doubt I, it. I hope one day. Uh, I mean, there's a better chance. I, I just want the manga at this manga. At this, point. I was gonna say, I, I feel like there's a better chance of us getting the anime better than the manga, just because, like, 
uh, George Morikawa, I think that's his name, I know is pretty infamous about like not wanting his stuff available digitally. Well, then probably, I mean, then chances are, I don't know how well the manga will float over, but still. I don't know. I, I, get, I get you. One day, uh, but. One day, but Saint Seiya, yeah, it was a failure. It failed several times. Um, all attempts at trying to bring that out didn't work. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess, you know, just as far as like the manga's availability, obviously, we're even able to read this just because like, you know, Viz put out all of the manga, all 28 volumes. Um, and is available digitally uh, through purchase. Unfortunately, this is one of the few things that's not on the Shonen Jump app yet, but, like, I can only assume it has to be on there at some point. I really hope so. I feel like this is, like, if you're, if you're good, I, I mean, I mean, we're, we, we purchased the manga for the sake of this show, for this podcast, so aside from us... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if it even benefits anyone for wanting to pick up the volumes because they're not really, uh, I don't know how available they are physically at this point. The fact that there are digitally is kind of amazing. But then again, there's just so many other series that are probably, that should be in that vault that haven't been in the vault already. I would wonder why they haven't there, but you know, and even, the, even so this digital version, I've, I have some quibbles about. Um, you know, actually, so since you brought that up, I guess like, We've been kind of talking around Saint Seiya a little bit, but I guess even before we get to any thoughts we have on, like, the actual story and the fights or whatever, like, I, I guess, and we kind of mentioned it earlier, we do have some thoughts on uh, the, the way that this manga has been released. Personally, I think the lettering is atrocious. <laughs> like, it is some of the worst I've ever seen in any, like, English manga release. And I, I do want to say, like, I know it probably just sounds like it probably sounds like I don't like Viz's stuff at all. I do want to say I think Viz has gotten better since this point. Like right. this, this, this first volume was released like at the tail end of two thousand and three. Like mm -hmm. there, the 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 way Viz did stuff and how they treated uh, a lot of their properties was so much different back then than it is now. And you know we we've had people on the Manga Mavericks podcast like from Viz who like work on this stuff and like really take pride in a lot of their work. And are really committed to like giving us a good product, and I think it shows in a lot of their newer stuff. Even the series that like they'll pick up for the Shonen Jump app that may or may not last more than two volumes worth of content. You know, they still put their all in a lot of those, and even series like those. So, you know, I don't want this to come off like Viz can't do good work because they can. They've grown a lot since then, but. Uh, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, like, Doc and I have covered a very weird amount of of a lot. Between Gintama and Detective Conan and now this, we've covered a lot of, like, you know, uh, we've covered a lot of manga from that sort of era of releases from Viz, where it's just, like, every once in a while, there'll be, like, a weird sound effects redrawing choice or whatever. Or there'll be a weird <laughs> choice of dialogue or... There'll be switched dialogue bubbles or some stupid thing like that. Yeah, there's a lot of even in like the first two volumes, you have like very off-centered text and stuff like that. Just the oversaturation of um, a lot of the onomatopoeia, which I mean, like onomatop This is onomatopoeia the manga. Like, yeah. <laughs> in case you weren't aware, because there is just stuff happening often. There is just all kinds of like kabooms and crashes and blizzards and blah blah blah. Oh, all over the screen. 
I will say that uh, I actually did buy the first two volumes in Japanese as well through Bookwalker, uh, digitally, I should say, which uh, those are very cheap if you want to buy those. They're like three or four bucks or whatever. That's um, not bad. And um, yeah, I kind of flipped through those. And, uh, you know, the, the the sound effects and the onomatopoeia in, in the original Japanese are like very big, but like they're not so big to the point where like it doesn't just cover the art. Like at least, at least when you're reading the Japanese version, like you could, st- it, you could still kind of tell what's going on. Like with the English onomatopoeia and the Viz version, like it's just so like blocky and like, it's so bloated in places, <laughs> depending on <laughs> yeah. like what, what kind of like, uh, what kind of like font you use or whatever. Like it's kind of ridiculous how much of the art, like uh, the onomato, the redrawn onomatopoeia covers. It almost makes me feel like they it this like it's kind of like some really bad like scandalations that put I in know. <laughs> like they put in like super big text to cover the Japanese writing. <laughs> Like, 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 I'm not obviously. This is like from a time, this older time in Viz when they they did stuff like this, and, I've, and like we mentioned, they've gotten better at this. But it's like this is like this is this is a series that I feel like if 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 they were to do something akin to what the JoJo releases, Sailor Moon, everything they've done recently, like that of like a re-releasing of these volumes, this series deserves something like that. Because we, we I need s- we need a new prestige hardcover release of Saint Seiya right now. Not man, I don't know if I can do hardcover, but at least uh, something slightly better than what we're getting here. Um, again, like it's it's not that it's not unreadable. It's just it's. Um, I think it could just be done a little bit better. Yeah, like I feel like if Saint Seiya were were to be re- like re released, I feel like QC overall or quality check or whatever would be so much better. Yeah, but like if anything, this lends to the idea of it being such a like whiz bang zap kind of pow comic. I think that's what I like about it, honestly, because it it, it almost gives like a very um, and not necessarily like um, comic booky feel to it, like not like a Spider Man or Batman kind of thing, but like it, it there's something there that I feel like it again, like when I mentioned like the the id lizard brain kind of style of simplicity of just like over the topness and just straight up just punch in face kind of style, like the lettering and everything else really does punch you in the face, so. <sighs> By that, I mean it's almost doing it. It's not. It's not a bug. It's a feature. I, uh, <laughs> uh, but then again, there's like a lot of things that I kind of just like looking at this for the first time, only from remembering the little I might have like seen occasionally of like the manga itself. It's just like a man. There, there's a lot of that ink blot sort of like uh, bubbles, which I didn't realize how how heavy they were. And it's like, and then seeing them now and realizing that. Yo, that looks really cool. <laughs> that's so that's so different. I don't see that. Like, it's yeah, just like very... I, I, I can't, I can't think of too many other series that like actively use those kinds of like flourishes. Like, I, I, I want to say, and I'm probably totally wrong, but I want to, like, I wouldn't be surprised if like Saint Seiya like popularized the use of those kinds of things, or like, I'm sure, I'm sure maybe they're in a lot of Kuramata's work. Um, yeah, I, 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 unfortunately, I wouldn't call myself a historian when it comes to manga. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a fraud, honestly, when it comes to anime in general, too. But I, I did my best to try to like learn a bit of, as as much as I can, and hopefully, maybe as we go through this, we can probably start. We could probably give a little bit more 
history in the in the future. And, and see, that's the thing. Like, uh, I I know Saint Seiya is is like super influential, which it'll be. That's another uh, thing I'm kind of interested in seeing. Like, um, going through this series for the first time now, I'm wondering if I'll see anything that I like recognize from other manga because I know um, I know that uh, Mr. Kubo uh, himself, Mr. Bleach himself. Uh, is a huge fan of Saint Seiya and has been cited saying that, like, you know, this series was a huge, like, influence on his work. Mm. I could see that. I could see that. It, I think there is there is some level of style to it. I think I remember, like, I think the, the ink blotty sort of, like, um, bubble stuff I remember, I think he had it in some of his manga. I want to I wanna say so, too. I, I think it was probably for, like, the, um, not necessarily the Iron Car, but, like, the, um, his, like, you know his his ultra soul, whatever you call it, like his his inner demon form. I forgot what they're called. <laughs> it's been a while since I've watched Bleach oh, or read Bleach in general too. Um, but yeah, I think the, the overall, I think like within these first couple of volumes, first vol- couple of volumes of this manga feel like a um, ver- very great introduction to what the premise is, especially the first volume. The first volume basically gives you like, okay, here you go, here's the setup, here's Cosmos, boom, go. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was gonna say. I guess, I guess. How do we? Yeah, I mean, I guess you said it already. But like, I'm. I think so far. I think overall, I'm feeling pretty positive about Saint Seiya. It's like, I think so far, like the story is very straightforward in a way. Like, there's not a lot to like. I don't know how you would put it. Like, there, there's not a lot to chew on as an intellectual. But um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like I, it, I, 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 again, that's kind of why I think that's where. A lot of the fun from this comes from, I, I think, having a series that, when it's from the jump, uh, it kind of gives you its premise alone. It gives you how, essentially, the science works here. Um, how the powers work and how, like, Seiya is and his motivations. And you get a sense of, like, okay, there is a lot to this kid. It just, it, it's going to take him a while for him to, like, you know... Uh, be as strong as he possibly can to win back his sister or find his sister in general. Um, and yeah, I think the, and the, I think that the explanation of the cosmos is in basically the universe stuff is where it becomes like, Oh, okay. So this is how everything works. It's just like th- their chi is so, um, it's so dumb, but I think I love that about it. Yeah, no, it's like, I, I, I think, I think like, what I love about Saint Seiya so far is that it's just so like, uh, how do I put this? It's just so like unabashedly, unforgivably shown in that like it's, it's 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 just so much fun. Like I like it, it has a so far it has a lot of the tropes that I really like in battle manga where it's like, um, I I think it's when Seiya's fighting against uh, Sheena with 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 the electric fingers or whatever her powers yeah. are. Sunderclaw, I think that was the original name. Yeah. Um, where it's like, oh, Seiya's throwing like 95 punches all in a row or whatever, and then she's like, oh, well, I could throw a hundred and whatever more punches, and that way I'm faster than you or whatever. Like, I just I just love the constant, like, uh, power scaling and, like, how much the, each power just, like, outclasses each other. Like, I just, like, it, it's, that, it's that kind of stuff that, like, I really come to battle long in particular for. And, and that stuff's always fun. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's why the tropes exist. I, I think like I want to—I don't know if I can—I want to necessarily 
point to Saint Seiya as the originator of all the stuff. I would think like some ideas probably probably like come from other spots, but I think like a lot of its ideas uh, feel <laughs> I wouldn't say cliche, but I think for what it is, it does it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like it probably only feels cliche, probably just because it's like you've seen, you've read some read so much stuff, you've seen so many stuff. There's like it's it's the it's so everything else is derivative of things like this. Yeah, like because we're 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 pretty used to stuff like this already at this point. To you know, when we when we go back to when we go back to series that may or may not have popularized those kind of tropes, it it feels weird in a way. Like either. Like it, I find that really interesting how you'll like respond to stuff like that. Like either you'll be like, "Oh, well, I'm just not into this as much or whatever," because I've seen be- quote unquote better stuff, or it's like, "Okay, I'm all for this. Like this is what I came here for." And I think I, I think I'm in that group of people personally. Oh yeah, I think the the it, I feel like after reading the first volume, I'm like, I'm completely in. I'm completely sold. Like you, I do not like. I am I am 100 for the ride for the rest of this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it helps that by by the first volume, you basically have all of Seiya's training arc complete, and he's at a point now where like he could take on other combatants, and then it's basically just all about setting up the next big thing, and that is this tournament that happens, which uh, we get to see a lot of in the in the second volume. Uh, we get like three whole fights, or <laughs> yeah. Or is it, th- no, well, I guess one of the fights happens at the end of the first volume anyway, I think, or I don't know, now, so, now this stuff's all starting to, like, mesh together. But I think it's kind of the, almost the best part of this thing, because, like, it feels like it, it kind of all lends in the sort of, like, similar thing where it's, like, the motivations of Seiya is just, like, get, get sister, have to, have to play, have to fight in tournament to possibly get sister. Yes. That's his entire thing. Like, when, I think when, um... Uh, when it was explained to him, like, oh, like, uh, just so you know, we don't know where your sister is, but if you participate in this tournament, you have full access to all of our resources to possibly find your sister. He's just like, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you do see, like, kind of, you do see at least one fight with Seiya against um, Geki. Yeah, which I love how that fight is basically, you know, like, like how Geki is always like, oh, well, uh, my training consisted of basically fighting like a hundred bears and just throwing a bunch of bears around. Yeah. And uh and and they have like they have like screens in the stadium that like measure people's powers and stuff and like how strong they are. I love that. I love I love how they're like, well basically they they go into this thing where like, well a human can only like withstand this much pressure and like if any any more then it's they'll render this unconscious. So you have this sort of like um, essentially the crowd is doing the narrator explaining kind of the situation where like, oh, he was, he would die if he keeps going, but then he's like, oh no, let me actually break your thing because uh, basically take your most, like, your best weapon and make, and just by destroying that, you basically have nothing. Uh, and from that, it's just like, this is, this is fantastic. It's just like, it's like, he's crushing him even higher. He should be destroyed. Oh my God. I, I love the twist where it's like, Oh, the computer wasn't like you know measuring Geki's grip strength; it was measuring Seiya's the entire time. Oh no! Which I love it. So like I, I think something I like. I don't know. Like when it comes to stuff like this, like it really depends on like how it's done. But like 
every once in a while, like, I can get behind, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I, I kind of enjoy how melodramatic Saint Seiya can be at times. Oh, God, yeah. It, it just, it wears it on its sleeve. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think I tweeted about this in my thread where it's like, like, what Saint Seiya lacks in, like, actual like fight choreography because it is just a lot of guys standing around and punching and not really moving that much no it's it doesn't feel it's not that choreographed no um but like what it lacks in actual fight choreography it makes up for in scale like like you like you feel you feel the weight of these matches and like what these people are fighting for in a weird way and like like it weirdly works really well yeah and i love how like it, they kind of essentially tell you like they set up a scenario where like and it's just one character going like sir it is it is scientifically physically spiritually impossible <laughs> like uh, for something to either break or melt or freeze or whatever it, it's some kind of scientific thing a scientific impossibility is presented to in front of you and then someone comes in and punches it <laughs> and like and actually breaks the thing and actually like s says like wait a minute there's a giant glacier that like that's never been frozen there's no way you can get through it guy walks in punches the, uh, a hole in the glacier to grab a goddamn thing <laughs> oh man i want to learn more about that guy that guy seems like he has a really interesting backstory uh yoga Yoga, yeah, I love that. I love how they were like, oh, I have to go visit my mother who is inside of the Russian uh, Arctic Ocean inside of a pirate ship, and I visit her every day. And they even explain to you, like, normally a, a normal human can, like, only survive this w this water in, like, a few seconds. Meanwhile, this guy's just, like, you know, freaking doing backstrokes and everything, and he's just in there for, like, I forgot how many times. I think he goes in, like, every day. Yeah, for like forty minutes, he can spend time in there or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, they, they. I think. I think the. I think his little brother or whatever says that like normal humans can only last for like maybe fifteen minutes at most. Something like that. Something. Something so simple of that. And then it's just like, oh yeah, it's, that's just normally how he does things. And I, I think like, and again, I kind of like, I'm like how, but also like they split like the cosmos and how how that works. It's just like how. Uh, how you have essentially a mini galaxy inside of you, and you basically you you take the energy of your of your of the galaxy inside of you and use that to break apart atoms. Yeah, uh, like say say uh, it's personified through like the central heat, where like I think they showed how you see a leaf fall on him and it just suddenly bursts into flames just by touching his skin, mm -hmm. or yeah, like a, right. I think like a piece a piece of the cloth I believe. But things like that, it's just like okay, so I guess because his his cosmos is burning so hard that he can go through this, like, frigid water. I guess that makes sense. So it's like, you know, they, they kind of just let, they let you kind of, like, you, f you figure it out on your own by then. So it's it's enough to, like, it, it's it's stupid logic, but it's it's logic nonetheless. <laughs> it's battle manga logic. Yeah, no, but I think that I, that's what I like about the, like, when they explain the science behind it, and again, it's stupid science, but they, they, they and, they, and it's probably one of the, be the, one of the best things about when it comes to sci-fi. And the thing like the, that I think people should recognize when it comes to sci-fi writing is that the science part has to matter. It's fiction. Yes, correct. Because it's science fiction. However, the science have to make, has to make sense for the story that you're telling. It has to make sense for the fiction that you're presenting. So by you establishing the science, you essentially tell you, this is how the science works in this piece of fiction. So it allows you to then make up anything you want 
within those realms of possibility of the way that you explain the science. So when you say you have a, a galaxy inside of you that you use the energy to break apart atoms, it, it then comes becomes like, what's the natural progression of that? Okay, someone can go into an Arctic water and survive without a problem because their their cosmos is burning. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that works. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is like a whole other tangent, but like he hearing you talk about sci-fi and how like science should work in whatever story you're trying to tell re reminds me of um, reminds me of the few people that I've seen like talk about Doctor Stone and how like when, sometimes when I see people get into that series in particular, a series all about science, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes I'll see people who are like. Oh, uh, well, actually, like, in real life, this wouldn't work, so that means this entire series is bad. It shouldn't really work like this, and I'm just kind of like, well, okay, sure, like, maybe it wouldn't work like the, like... I mean, in, like, I mean, in real, the real-life scenario of, you know, everyone, the entire world turning to stone, you know, that's kind of normal, so obviously that's not exactly, like, there has to be a little bit of embellishment. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's, that's what I appreciate about, like, certain sci-fi elements in different shonen manga that I've read where it's like, okay, yeah, of course, in real life, most of this stuff, it wouldn't work. But, like, I don't think it matters as long as it makes sense in the story and in the world that yeah. you're telling your story in. Like, like as, like, as long as you can get me to believe the rules of your world, I can kind of believe most things. Yeah, I, I mean, like, my, my one of my favorite series is Gundam. Like, I love having a giant robot show where robots fly in space and lasers and fire and other things work. Even though there is no actual, there, the, the vacuum of space doesn't allow explosions to happen, <laughs> but they do. And they also have giant laser swords. That too, yeah. So, there's a lot of holes in the science of giant robot in space, but it don't matter because, you know, we're in it for you know, the drama and Char and <laughs> yeah, other I mean, things. I mean, exactly. Jumping onto white base and yeah, I'll, I can be here all day. Oh man. Uh, but, but no, yeah. Like, um, Hyoga is definitely a character I want to, I want to learn more of. I, I feel like we need to learn more of him at some point. I feel like there is a story behind his mother being submerged in a pirate ship underwater. There, there has to be like you don't just go in. You don't leave your mother in the middle of the ocean and and like give her a flower every day for funsies. There has to be a reason why this is happening. I don't know, man. Like, I'm I'm hoping we get more on that at some point. But I mean, as as far as like Hyoga's fight goes, like it's it's not my favorite. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine because I think that it's it's a lot of just. We're slowly introducing all of these characters. We have to sh explain, you know, how everyone's abilities work, how he fights, what his attitude towards people, and you kind of got enough of it through his fight with, um, uh, with the what you call it, the, uh, the. I was gonna say Orochi. I mean, technically, that's the Hydra, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He 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 takes him out like really quickly. Like uh, at first, it's like, oh man, he's got poison needles. I can pierce through. You know, their armor or whatever, and that's kind of a big deal for a little bit until he just kind of freezes them. Yeah, diamond dust. Boom. Done. It's just like, okay, cool. Sweet. I mean, again, you, like his mission is that he has to kill all the other students, including Seiya. So, um, students, but yeah, the, the other uh, the other knights here, but still. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's pretty safe to say that the fight between uh, Seiya and Shiryu is probably the, the highlight of these first two volumes. <laughs> God, there's God, so much happens. Uh, it, it, I think what's kind of cool is that it, it made me realize that, oh, I, there were references to Saint Seiya that I, I, I remember seeing and not realizing those, those references to Saint Seiya. It's kind of funny. I think I remember, like, I think... Uh... I know Gintama has made plenty of Saint Seiya references at one point. Yes, I think the 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 the, the it's the uh, the was it when he does the the do one does that Roseon Rising Dragon Blow. Yeah, uh, it, and remember that. Oh, is that's the move that happens when they're playing the mahjong uh, <laughs> that one time? I was like, oh my god, then, like I, like the way that he stylized and posed, like oh my god, every I, just it suddenly came to me. It's like that's a, that was the Saint Seiya reference the whole time. I didn't realize it. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. Um, but no, yeah. So just just to kind of break down this fight. So at, at first, the the fight is kind of all about trying to break through Shiryu's armor, which at first is impossible because it's just indestructible. And they have to like they have to like replay this fight on the giant video screen in slow mo in order to like show you how this happened. But I I just I just love how like. I love the way Seiya thought through these moves where it's like, okay, I'm going to use my head to headbutt fucking Shiryu's shield and then dodge in time for him to punch through his shield and basically just break through his armor because because it's the whole like, which is stronger, the strongest shield or the strongest spear and whatever metaphor they're trying to tell. I know it. it I, I love that because, it, it, which I think they they kind of. I think that the narrative device that they use is that every time he's in a position where he's going to get killed, essentially, he suddenly remembers this lesson from Marin, his like handler during the time that he was over there in the at the sanctuary. Yeah. Um. So like he's like, oh, it reminds me of this one story Marin told me and stuff like that. So it's just like it kind of like the, those little things happened a couple times, and it, it it's uh I love that sort of thing of like he remembers this one tale that's relevant to this one fight. So it's kind of it like I love that part. Like so it's it's an old it's it's a very simple narrative uh narrative choice for having that's how you remember shit and that's how like uh <laughs> I think probably some people uh. A more modern, more modern interpretation of that has been something like the recent Star Wars game, um, of all things, where like that 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 they they take this sort of way of um, explaining how in the past the, the the main character was taught by his Jedi master to use these different um, abilities to, uh, when he's in the certain situations, and that's like the thing that allows him to remember and eventually get get the next power up in the game um but it's sort of like i'm taking that sort of mentality of like if you if you wanted like a, a modern interpretation of how this sort of device works but um i think that like, i i think what's great about it is that yet like again it's just like say yeah kind of thinking on his feet it's like okay shield is too strong punch is too strong uh I can't dodge this thing and I can't hit him so I'm going to make him hit himself essentially. So, yeah, I, and I, I think that's great because it what's cool about it is that like you see the aftermath of the shield and the sword essentially shield and spear as they describe it is gauntlet um breaking apart at the same time and you're like what the hell how did this thing break and then it's the replay of like see how he did this and it's like oh okay he did that he forced and i love how they'd explain how the shield is actually deliberately moving on its own to the point of attack to block whatever it is that is uh, is about to hit it so with 
which explains how you know his uh, Pegasus punch uh, manages to block uh, all the it get blocked all the time. So that's how they were like, oh, make him hit this. That way the punch comes comes landing in. Which I, I mean, based on like your Shiryu's movement, you'd wonder like. You see him right in your face. How can you not stop your hand from moving? But again, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just like the the speed in which he's he's swinging for him. It makes him somehow hit himself. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Shiryu's punches can also go at Mach one or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, which is like, oh, it's like it's pretty fast, and like even Shiryu's like, well, I think like as. As the fight progresses, when it becomes basically, okay, let's, you know, gloves are off, nothing, no armor, nothing, we're going in, we're going to punch each other until one of us is down, and, like, sure, he's just like, okay, this guy's fast, but he's not as fast as me, and, like, you start to see, uh, say, it's like, slowly start punching, and then he starts punching just a little bit faster every time, and she was like, oh, crap, he starts hitting me, and, like... They explained the, 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 the one 100th and something of a second... That he has between when he does his punch, there is like a t- the, like a micro, like a tiniest little like sand sized moment of time that his he is vulnerable, and say and say manages to punch that part within that one that fraction of a fraction, basically p- punches him right where his heart is. Yeah, and which sucks, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, I can't even imagine that. Um, and I mean, like, this fight is so brutal that, like, basically both of them are down. Shiryu's about to die. And, like, you know, a- apparently the-, the only way to, like, revive his heart is to punch him again from the opposite side. I love that. I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was brilliant. Um, which, I mean, like, technically, you can die. You actually can die if you actually, um, because it's actually one of the things where, like, uh, Essentially, if you get hit at a certain time, like basically in the way your your heart is beating, it's I mean it's it's like it is essentially a fraction of a second. If you get if you get uh, hit with enough blow at the right time, you technically can drop dead uh, from a from a hit. Yeah, but it has to be a very strong hit to to your heart for it to like get that way. I mean, it's not like oh, like you know, someone throws like a a water ball at you and you die instantly. It's not like that, but it's like, it's like a strong enough punch. And, but they, but then again, they explain the science. He is, he is punching a dude in Mach one speed and probably faster. So I think you're kind like an average body would probably be dead by after being hit that strong. <laughs> oh man. It's just also like amazingly like it's, it's, it's weirdly gripping. Like I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of this stuff. Like, like I said, this, this entire fight with Saiyan Shiryu is definitely the best part of these first two volumes. It's very bloody. It's it's un it's unnecessarily bloody for what it is, and which I don't think we really we never really delved into the the actual art style of this thing. It's like, man, everyone's so pretty. Like, <laughs> like yeah, like Masami Kuramata's style and how he designs characters is definitely. It's definitely not how people design their characters anymore. Like this is definitely a manga from 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 the mid eighties. Yeah, I, I think like I remember it was Fumino Kojiro. I, I know that was like that's like his ninja manga. Uh, I remember like it's I remember seeing some of it and like oh man, this is like this is an older style, but I I dig how it looks and obviously you know Saint Seiya is very much akin to that similar art style. 
Uh, I, the only reason I know about Fumito no Kajiro is because I watched a drama of of the manga adaptation, which is ridiculous. Um, good luck finding it. It's probably impossible to find nowadays. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's silly and fun. But um, anyway, yeah. But Saint Seiya, yeah. It's I, you look at it. It's just like everyone just has like a very. I think I would say closer to a. You know, it is, and I don't want to say it as pejorative, but like in a shoujo sort of manga style. I wouldn't be surprised if Kurumata was possibly influenced by, you know, the the like the typical like shoujo manga style of back then. Probably, the, there are there are a couple of series I could think of where the author has stated like you know the influence of that style, like Kentaro Miura with Berserk. I know was a is a big. Uh, Shoujo manga was a big influence on Berserk, weirdly enough. Mm, yeah, but I want to say if I'm right, because this is just me, you know, my my own assumption. But like, I think like the, the interpretation of like what it means to be a manly man is a very almost feminine looking kind of style. It's 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 not somebody like the the most masculine man is like the most like sort of like you know slim, very you know elegant hair and stuff like that sort of style. If that makes any sense, it, it's a very it's a very different sort of look to expect so like um but yeah that, that, that's yeah I, I think that's just like a very specific sort of way of interpreting that but then again this is this is only through me this is me like only half remembering a lot of like older st- things about the you know japanese um culture so probably don't take my word for any value of this yeah i don't know i i find that i i'd be kind of interested in learning more about that because the the wikipedia page i think for saint seiya mentions somewhere about how like saint seiya basically popularized yaoi i'd believe it and popularized like you know drawing doujinshi with two dudes together or whatever i don't know um I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but, like, I would not be surprised if Saint Seiya was, like, one of the first, like, big mainstream manga series to have that kind of following. Uh, there's probably a lot of citation needed in that Wikipedia article. Pro- probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, again, I, I I would believe it, but like I said, I'd be interested in learning more about the history of that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. I, also, I also wouldn't be surprised. But I, but I think that's what like I like about the style of it. It's just like it's it's a very different look to it. And I mean, like in, again, my, most of my knowledge through Saint Seiya is through the anime. So, uh, and even then, like the the Toei version of the way that the characters are drawn are very, it's very different. And I think it's it's a very I would say somewhat close to um, you know the manga's like art style, which character design wise. So it's still like it's slightly altered, but it's still, it still emits that sort of similar sort of look to it. Where it's like, yeah, it's it's very much a diff- yeah, a very a very different looking as opposed to a very uh, what is a very very manly show. Like it's it's manly, but it, it, it's uh, I think the it's deceptively manly. I think that's the right word. <laughs> in, in, in regard in regards to modern interpretations of what manly is, and there's nothing, and I think that's what I, I like about this. Hmm. Yeah. It, it is very like eighties manly. I, I I should say eighty <laughs> style manly. I don't know, but Maybe. like, but it, it it does sort of have the character designs do sort of have that like soft feminine touch almost. I would say um, it's it's it, like the character designs are soft, but they're also sharp at the same time. It's really it's it's a really interesting 
combination and um yeah i mean and, and, and like they're like i'm not trying to be um condescending or anything about this no it, me neither yeah yeah i think that's just what i'm i just want to get across it like just like hey his art style is a very specific art kind, kind of art style and i think that it lends to it being a very bloody very um you know, very action oriented series and how it's, and I think that's the appeal of it. It's like you, you come, you, you present me on its own, like a dude in armor that looks like this and then be like, he's, he's just covered in blood, like in the next page um, is kind of, it's jarring at first, but then you're like, okay, this is, you know, this is something different, but it's still cool. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like I, I can't think of too many other manga, even from back then that like look like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess just to kind of talk about uh, everything that kind of happens near the end of Volume 2, uh, the the fight between um, Shun and uh, Jab, it's not really that interesting of a fight because all it really is is just a lead up to, I guess, like the reveal at the end of the volume where it's like, oh no, the secretly there's a there's a tenth uh, there's a tenth night somewhere in the stadium and mm. only only Shun's change can, chains can. Uh, can you know basically weed it out or whatever yeah there's a lot to that i think like uh jab 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 and i've i, I also jabu jabu i don't know <laughs> jab, I, I don't mind jab um jab sounds cool uh jab but like yeah jab, jab he's kind of like the the sort of very uh sasuke type if you will uh, not really i would say like um i was gonna say he comes off more to me as like uh, uh the uh what's the other one hit Bleach dude, um, glasses. Uh, Uryu? Uryu, maybe? Lose I don't know, he, he he comes off to, and I, I could be wrong, but he comes off to me as more of like, uh, not exactly this, but like, kind of a Yamcha character where it's like, he talks a big game, but I don't, I don't know if I trust this character to like, if I, if I had to make a bold claim, I don't think this is a character that's gonna win all of his fights. <laughs> Probably not. But like I think like the the him getting introduced is like oh um, you know this he kind of he kind of got like thrown into almost like rival status at the very beginning of this manga so I was like oh am I going to see this guy for a while well we'll, we'll have to see I mean I don't know yet at, at the very least he's probably like a one sided rival I don't know because there there is this whole thing where like they they really il- illustrate the difference between Seiya and his personalities where it's like as kids. You know they they hung around. Um, what what's her name? Sol- Selena Selenia. I don't know how you pronounce her name. It doesn't matter because her actual name is Sa- 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 Sayori Sayori. It's, it's a really hard to pronounce name. Uh, but basically the granddaughter of the rich guy who's responsible for all this. It, you know she she goes around you know ordering kids to to basically play horsey with her. <laughs> Which, like she has like a whip and everything. So she she takes her playtime very seriously, uh, to put yes. it lightly. Um, and you know you have this whole thing where it's like Seiya just absolutely refuses to just be this girl's slave, which you know good on him. Um, and then you know you have Jab, who I don't know if it's because he wants to protect Seiya or if he has some kind of affection for Sayori, but like he he decides to be her horse and just takes on the punishment, but like. You know, obviously, Seiya, I think, in a way, sees this as like a, as like a lack of pride. Like he just kind of, he, he just kind of does whatever she wants. Which 
I don't know. I wasn't really sure how to read a lot of that. Like, I, I feel like there are different ways you could read uh, read how characters interpret others' actions there. I don't know. I just thought that scene was interesting. Um, but I guess I guess the point I'm trying to get to here is that, like, I don't know. Jab, I, I'm not going to say he is... He, I'm not going to say he is the Yamcha of Saint Seiya, <laughs> but I am. I am going to say that he is probably the character who is going to be at least like. I'm going to say at least sixty percent of the time he's a jobber. Probably he's he's Jajarobi status right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I'd actually be interested in seeing where he goes. Um, we we don't really get to like see a lot of his abilities because again shun's chains are basically too busy you know sensing this other saint who i love this entire chapter um, i want to say about like 80 percent of this chapter is just build up to this reveal and we don't even and all we get is a silhouette at the end yeah it's it's ridiculous of this uh phoenix guy we don't get to like actually see what he looks like, which I think is kind of dumb, but whatever. Like I, I only I know of Fe- I know of the Phoenix guy only through because of references, but yeah, um, same. So it's for me, it's just like okay, it's a lot of build up for what is left. I mean, at the end of the volume, obviously, it's it's just like a it feels like a tease. Oh yeah. So uh, I mean, that's that's for us to uh, talk about more in the next episode, but I guess. You know, I mean, at least within the when these within these uh, few volumes that we're covering, within these two volumes, I feel like you can A lot of the setup for everything feels like okay, we, we're getting the ball rolling. We get to see a bit of Seiya and his character, which is like, which I think like probably the Shirio thing with stopping the heart. I think that's what's kind of great about it. I think that was like probably my favorite scene in the sense of like one, it's it, the, of the pure stupidity of the whole situation. But more importantly is the fact that like Seiya is like half dead at the moment and he still like manages to punch the dude in the right at, at the right time is is still really cool. And like and it shows that his character is like, yeah, I mean like this is technically supposed to be a fight like a fight almost a fight to the death to be able to win this gold armor and whatever, but I think like it shows that his characters is like, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to kill anybody here. I'd like, I'm still, you know, he's still a very honorable kid. So, Oh, that, that reminds me. So I wish I could find the pages here, but, um, there's a point where, um, it, it's the beginning of the tournament and they're basically like explaining the rules or I guess like the lack thereof. Um, because essentially they, they, like, they mentioned at the beginning of the tournament, like, okay, anything goes. Um, but, but right before that, and I'm, I'm gonna have to find this, because it is pretty great, but, like, just to paraphrase, there is a point where whoever's announcing the tournament says, because we have respect for human life, we're gonna, we're gonna implement at least some rules. Yeah. To, to then immediately, like, on the next page or two after, just be like, oh, anything goes. Like these guys may not come out alive, and it's like okay, I don't think it's totally going back on like what you were talking about earlier. Like whatever, some some respect for human life you have there. Yeah, th- thank you. Uh, you got a ten count. Great, awesome. <laughs> I just thought that was I just thought that was pretty pretty amazing. But yeah. uh, um, but no, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I. We're we're basically at the point where the tournament's still going, and uh, now we got this Phoenix guy coming in, and um, I guess so. So, Doc, I'm you. You don't know what happens from this point on. No, no, I don't. Okay, good, because I don't either. 
I haven't read ahead. I probably will soon. I know there's a character named Cancer Death Mask. I want to see what his deal is all about, or they. I, I, um, I, I, I hope they have a mask. And I hope it's filled with cancer and death. Um, uh, and or. And or, yes. Um, I see people say that the Hades arc is pretty good. I'm assuming that's like the last arc. That happens later. I know that happens later. There, there, was, there are several arcs in this series, and, and they're also broken up into different animes. I was going to say, because like... I tried to look up, like, an arc list for the manga, and I couldn't really, like, find anything. I, I want to say the Hades chapter is, like, the last arcs, because, like, Lost Canvas is a different sort of alternate style, and then there's other ones, so. Um, but I, I think I'm fine with that, like, you know, I, I, like, usually when I get into a new series, I'm like, oh, how many arcs does this, how many story arcs does this thing have? Because I, I like looking up stuff like that, but, like... Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't really find much info for the manga anyway, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, so I'm really excited to go into this because I literally, I'm not gonna say I don't know what to expect, because I, I, I have this weird thing where it's like, I don't know, and I'm not gonna say, like, all 80s manga is like this, or at least no, not all 80s no. battle manga is like this, but, like, I've read, I've read certain titles before where it's like, after I read, like, five volumes or whatever it's like okay i kind of understand like what the formula is here like i had that with uh i had that experience with um otoko juku where it's like okay you have this school full of burly manly 15 year olds who have to fight other manly burly 15 year olds mm -hmm. which you know for for a bit sounds pretty fun and it is fun but it's not as fun once like you're kind of used to the formula of okay we have to fight another school uh, one of our classmates dies only to come back to life immediately afterwards. Uh, and then after we fight said school, we gain an ally for the next school we have to fight. Like, I'm, I'm really hoping that Saint Seiya doesn't get into a, like a predictable formula like that. But I mean, I want to say that something like that might happen. <laughs> I'm gonna say something like that might happen too, but you know what? There, there are <laughs> there are different layers. There, if, if remember, there's different levels of saints, so so I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's the only thing I'm not really looking forward to. But outside of that, like as, as long as the fights still stay like pretty entertainingly melodramatic. I mean, obviously, like even if I hate it, I'm I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with this. Yeah. Um. But I'm but I'm gonna stick with it either way. So like I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of my journey with Saint Seiya. Um. I guess do we do we have any predictions like where it's gonna go? Because personally, I don't think this tournament's gonna last any longer than like another volume or two. Um. Yeah. I think the pace that it's going, I think you're we're gonna go through this pretty quickly because it is single el elimination. So, um. I'm sure we're gonna probably find out more of the uh, the other saints, and I know eventually they have to they have to do a thing. I just know they have to do a thing that gets to a thing, and then they have to fight the next a next group of people, <laughs> and then they there's like oh, there's actually an even stronger group of people after us that you have to eventually fight. <laughs> That's my guess because I feel like there there might have been allusions to that at one point or another in other manga that I feel like they're also like kind of taking the piss out of Saint Seiya at some point or another, so like. I'm I'm sure, yeah. I mean I'm 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 not I'm not so delusional that like that I'm that I'm not like, oh yeah, this totally isn't gonna be just fight after fight after fight. Like there's gonna be a lot of fights. I, I, know, I yeah. Yeah. Um 
I mean, so far, as far as, like, the tournament goes, like, we only have Phoenix versus Wolf left, I think. We, we, we're, we're, we're done with all the first round stuff. So, I mean, like I said, I, I'd be surprised if this lasts, like, up until, like, the next podcast episode after this one. I would be surprised, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing, like, what the next story will be after this, because I, like, I legitimately have, like, no idea. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure exactly how that works, but I would gladly uh, jump in, and I cannot wait to get to that, because I feel like this is a, again, a series that I've been wanting to watch for the longest. That I know a lot of friends who talked about this. I have a bunch of friends that actually have seen it, read it, watched it, and it's, I mean, it's so much fun. Uh, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get to it. Yeah, no, like, I'm, I think, I think I'm pretty set for this adventure that we're going to go on, uh, for, for the next while here. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that about does it for this first episode of the Manga Mavericks read-through for Saint Seiya. Uh, Doctor, thank you so much for coming on and, uh, reading the first two volumes with me, and I, I can't wait to have you back on for volumes three and four next time. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's uh, I'm very excited for going through this whole thing, uh, and I really hope that I, I do my best <laughs> to um, express myself and kind of, tri- like, again, I'm, I'm going in as a newbie as well, so it's hard for me to really um, combat uh <laughs> Uh, uh, as far as like uh, at least to help with assisting of like like misconceptions or things like that of of the series. So if anyone listens to this and are are be like, oh, this guy's a fraud, I'm like, you're probably right. Uh, <laughs> but I I hope that your listeners in, enjoy uh, enjoy this. I would say I think like if they if they weren't sure uh, as to what to expect or they or if they've already listened to your previous episode. And kind of want like a firsthand perspective of uh, Saint Seiya. At least the, I think they they're paying good money to listen to this, and I hope uh, I do a good job at uh, assisting as much as I can. Well, I mean, look, if it makes you feel any better, I think you're doing a great job, and I and I love talking to you about just stuff in general. So, well, again, that, that we we do like what three shows together at this point. <laughs> so clearly, clearly, we like talking to each other. Otherwise, I don't think we'd podcast with, uh, together at all. Uh, um, no, we we got to meet up one day. Seriously. Well, we'll talk about that off mic. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, but no, yeah. Um, I mean, look, like if you're listening to this and. Look, if we didn't make it clear at the top of the show, just know that we're not Saint Seiya experts, unfortunately. No. <laughs> I think that's the appeal of the show is that we're we're going through this uh very much like in the dark about what's coming up f- for the most part. And I don't know, that's what that's what makes me excited to actually go through this. Like if I like I mean, I guess it'd be one thing like if I if I knew about Saint Seiya and I was like I was like seeing you react to like what was going to happen. I guess that'd be another thing, but like it's very rare that like I podcast with somebody about something that like that nobody on the show really knows about. <laughs> it's a very weird experiment, and I'm really excited to see how it goes. Like, unfortunately, we have another show that where it's only one of us that has actually know about the entire thing as opposed to the other. So, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of uh, I would say refreshing, but I would say uh, uh, it, it's a, it's a different feeling to go to talk about a show without any actually prior knowledge to it. So. It's like you're live reading the manga as we go through it, or at least live experience, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I mean to 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 put to put it to put it another way, um, it's it's very. It, I am not used to 
producing a show where neither of the hosts really knows what they're talking about when it comes to a thing, for for, for lack of a better phrase, I guess. Sure, I yeah. That, that, that might sound kind of mean, but I, you know what I mean. I understand. I think that's, again, like this, this mind you, like a lot of a lot of old series, uh, not everyone has a chance to actually read or watch or experience um even 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 more so legally so oh yeah uh, so it, it's uh it's kind of a treat to talk about a, a series that i feel like i should have known a long time ago and talk about a series that i think that a lot of people probably should have some sort of knowledge on because i think they're like i said like we'll probably get into a lot more silly shonen bs as we go through this so i you know i think that it's it's probably good to kind of like Get to know a series uh, that probably your favorite series might have also cribbed from at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Because that definitely does happen with a lot of Shonen Jump stuff, um, yeah. in particular. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's really gonna about do it for us here. Um, so again, Doc, thank you for coming on, and uh, I guess yeah, until um, until our next episode, um, where can the people find you? Uh, yeah, so I run the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast over at SSAAPodcast.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at SSAAPodcast. Uh, so that podcast has been running for over 11 years now. We've been, we have, we have been the best kept secret on the internet for a long time. We were an anime podcast, but, uh, more importantly, we also have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash SSAA network. Uh, and that is basically where the majority of all my other projects will be seen at one point or another, uh, because I also run several other shows, including just a Gintama podcast over at GintamaPodcast.com. One podcast prevails, which I've mentioned a couple times already over here, uh, at onepodcastprevails.com, which is a Detective Conan read-through podcast. So I think with the exception of this show, I think it's one of the few podcasts that we do that I wouldn't say we necessarily don't know what the outcome is, but we have some idea. We're, we, we're, we are already fans of Detective Conan. We're not we're not quite the Saint Seiya fans. Not yet. yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, including that, I also run a show called uh, Too Grown Up, a Rugrats retrospective podcast, which... Uh, we actually put out new episodes. By the time you listen to this, I hope like a couple of episodes have already been out. So uh, that's a, uh, a podcast that I t- uh, that I ha- I do with my girlfriend as we go through the entirety of the Rugrats, uh, the the Nickelodeon Rugrats. Yeah, you know that show, that old show from the nineties. Go figure, huh? <laughs> I remember the nineties. Yeah, I did too. I, I'm I'm stuck in it right now. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, among other things uh, on our Patreon. Uh, there's just oh, there's a, a boatload of stuff, including um, exclusive shows like uh, the Poltergeist Rapport, which is a series where uh, I am going through the entirety of the Yu Yu Hakusho anime uh, with Colton here as uh, he guides me through the entirety of the series through the I guess the the, the <laughs> what's the right word for it through the through the the American dub of of that series so. Mm-hmm. That is definitely one series where I know everything and Doc doesn't. Yes. For lack of, yes. Pretty much. Yes, I will say that. So, yeah, the Poltergeist Rapport is exclusively on our Patreon, patreon.com slash SSAA network. I'll do my best to try to shorten this out. I think I, I gave you the, the long version here uh, uh, on our first, on the first episode of this. So, but since you'll be hearing more of me in the future, I'll probably shorten it out a little bit later. But if you want to... Oh, it's cool, yeah. Yeah, if you if you want to listen to anything that I do, uh, you know, go the go to the network or just 
ssaanetwork.com. Mm-hmm. I feel kind of bad asking people who are already uh, patrons of this of this fine Patreon to go support another Patreon if they if they can't. But I mean, if you if you have even like one dollar to spare and you really enjoy what we do here at Manga Mavericks and you're looking for more really good podcast content, please go support uh, the SSA network, especially. Uh, especially go listen to the Poltergeist Report. That only cost a dollar to listen to. Yes, and we already have so many episodes up with that show. Like we have, we have roughly fifteen to sixteen hours, pro- probably more by the time you're listening to this, of just two guys talking about Yu Yu Hakusho. So if you're into that, uh, and you have a dollar on you, like go go listen to those. Like it, I promise, it's worth it. I think as far as the uh, by the time this is out, I want to say the majority of the Dark Tournament is done. I think it's uh, it's nearly done by now, but. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a fun series, and if you like this little rapport between the myself and Colton here, this is a lot what you will expect from the Poltergeist rapport. Mm-hmm, uh, so, for sure. uh, I think this is what. Um, if again, it, it's just a dollar for those of you. There's a bunch more stuff in there. There's, there's more tiers and stuff like that. There's a five dollar tier, among other things, that gives you so much more. But uh, yeah, yeah, go check out the Patreon. There's a lot of stuff on there. You can there's there's something for everyone. I would say. I hope there is. Eventually, I need to do like a manga thing. I I I, I finished my own personal manga thing on there a while back ago, and I'll probably have another manga thing to replace it. I might have something in mind, but it'll be a while before I can actually do it. So, mm, ma- ma- manga, you say? A manga thing? Yes, it, I will say. I, I will probably have to speak off mic about it, but uh, <laughs> but it's I, I guess I don't want to make commitments or like put myself in a position where I am going to have to do something. But uh, I am in between so many projects, even as of the, uh, as of this recording, the time of this recording. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I keep myself very busy, and that's why the, pa- the Patreon is there. That way, people can appreciate the stuff that I do because uh, I, I I do too much work sometimes. Mm-hmm, for sure. So definitely go support the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast Network if you can. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously you're already supporting the, the Manga Mavericks uh, Patreon network, whatever, if you're listening to this. And we really appreciate your patronage um, and whatnot. Uh, so I guess as for me, you can find me on Twitter at sniperking 323 um, I do a few other podcasts, uh, like Doc said, including one podcast prevails. You could you could basically find links to all my other shows at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Um, and then you know, like I, I'm not going to bother listening off all the manga maverick stuff because if you're following us on Patreon, you know where to find the manga mavericks podcast. Um, and so yeah, uh, for now I'm going to say. Uh, if you want to read Saint Seiya and keep up with us, we mentioned earlier that uh, it is not available on the Shonen Jump app at the time of this recording, which is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, uh, um, unless you like buying physical copies, again, I don't know what the status on those is at the moment. You know, you could still buy volumes of Saint Seiya digitally under uh, Knights of the Zodiac from, from Viz and wherever digital comics are sold. I'm sure they're also sold on places like you know, Comixology, Amazon, um, and yeah, they're like six ninety nine a volume. Or if you want to buy them in Japanese, you know, they're on Bookwalker for about again like four or three dollars in American currency. Um, and so yeah, you, you have places to buy Saint Seiya digitally, thankfully. Uh, which again, if we didn't, we would not be able to produce the show. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll leave links to all those kinds of stuff in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I guess. Basically, join us next month as we continue to cover Saint Seiya through volumes 3 and 4 of the manga. 
And uh, I guess until then, we'll see you guys next time. Take care.